0: Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we discuss two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave Gurney and I'm here as always with Joe Hilliard. And we have a great friend in the room with us today, too. Uh, introduce yourself, sir. Hello. It's me, Roland. You know me. Hey, hey. Roland of sports fame. Yes, uh, yes. I'm, I'm sure many Beer and Movie listeners are spending their time uh, also hearing sports uh, on a regular basis so over there on Spotify. And Joe's been on sports before. So it's just, uh, you know, like podcasting heaven here. What is this, in. a
1: crossover episode? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like being on sports because Roland and I will typically chase movie rabbit holes.
0: Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you feel more entitled to do that. We have such a tight format here on Beer and a Movie. We do. That we, we just kind of lock things in. Sports is a little more free form. We're 17 seconds behind schedule, David. Please oh, move uh, us along. <laughs> Well, in the interest of time, let's get some beer in our glasses, gentlemen. Good call. We have a beer here that uh, is from a brewery that we have not sampled before, Interboro Brewing. They are out of uh, Brooklyn, New York. And this, indeed, is another collaboration between Interboro and the uh, rap duo, Run the Jewels. In fact, on the can, it describes this as the eighth collaboration that they've done with interborough so they, they are regular collaborators with that but they collaborate with other breweries i think this is just kind of a lucrative little sideline uh, that they have they have such a fervent fan community that they can sell lots of different things roland was making the point that they have their own weed strain available in certain markets
1: uh yeah a friend told me that not mine that was a must run
0: <laughs> but, but anyhow, this beer that we had, and, and you were able to order it through their store, which I did, um, had this sent to us. Uh, and it came, you know, just a week or two later after I had put the order in. This one that they've done is a... Double dry hopped India Pale Ale. We like those words going together. Mm-hmm. This is being done in celebration of 10 years of Run the Jewels. Wow, that's kind of crazy. I remember when they, wow. they first got on the scene. And, and like I said, this is the eighth one they've done in collaboration with Interboro. And this comes in a 16 ounce can. It is 6% alcohol by volume. Joe, you've already poured some. It's looking nice and it's not a hazy, it's translucent there. We can see through it. Aroma, what are you thinking? Not dank. No. no. Okay. Any hop character? Yes. At all? In the yeah. aroma, certainly. And okay. I've already taken a sip,
2: so don't don't, don't get me all right. Jumping the uh, the cart mm. before the horse here, but
0: I'm getting like pineapple, yeah. tropical fruit. Dig it. All right. Yeah, but not dank. I, I hear what you're saying. Kind of kind of light in the nose, which yeah. I know is a direction that you would prefer it not to be most often these days. Yes. Right. So I'm I'm looking for. I hope this is a nice uh, comfortable sipper while we. Uh, Move through a, a pretty uh, complicated little movie. Well, I mean, the, the, a movie that gets into the complexities of the human experience. Let's yeah,
2: say. our yeah. journey to pick the two movies this week was a little bit more windy than normal, and I do want to talk about that on After Hours, yeah. which is our weekly bonus episode. You can catch at Patreon.com/slash Beer in a Movie Podcast. But when we learned that this movie, Anatomy of a Fall, was in our market, even at a theater, David. That we have talked about on this show that we don't like going to, which we'll also talk about in After Hours. Sure. Because that's Roland's, like, home base theater, I learned this week.
1: Yeah, explains a lot about me. Yeah, we're going to talk about that <laughs> in After Hours, uh, but it's called
2: Anatomy of a Fall, and the reason why I was excited is because it was this year's Palme d'Or winner over there at the Cannes Film Festival, Right. and then I remembered loving, loving the last three that we have talked about on this show. We've done it annually. Yeah. I'll go backwards. Triangle of Sadness won right. last year. Two years ago, the winner was Titane, a movie, David, that you and I just absolutely love. That movie rocks. Yeah. You're, like, you're a Titane fan. Oh, yeah. And then the year before that, Parasite, and Don't Even Get Me Started. Because Parasite was my number one movie of that year. Right. Titane was uh, two or three. Yeah. It might have been your favorite. I think it was number one for me, yeah. And then last year, Triangle of Sadness was certainly in my top right five or ten. I mean, yeah. I can't remember, but off the top of my head. So, oh my God, it's here in town. We've got to go, even if it means there's no air conditioning in the theater. <laughs> and we went to go see Anatomy of a Fall. It's a legal drama set in the recent past in a chalet in the French Alps, uh, the town of Grenoble. It follows the investigation and trial of a female novelist charged with the death of her husband, also a novelist. So husband, wife, and son live in this chalet in the French Alps. Gorgeous home, gorgeous setting that they live in. Uh, The son takes his dog for a walk. When he comes back, he finds his father dead on the ground, blood on the ground near his head, and... What looks like a suicide? I don't know, or maybe uh, he fell off of their, you know, multi-level home onto a shed or onto some concrete. I don't know, or maybe it was murder, which is what the French prosecution wants to prove here, mm-hmm. and it turns into a I want to say, moral dilemma. Is that right for the son who brings in some? potentially decision-making evidence toward the end of the trial after he's already appeared. That's the synopsis. We're going to have to get into some details because, as you say, David, it's not a very complicated movie, but it's long, a little twisty, and certainly, I would say, a character study of all of the characters that are presented in the film.
0: Yes. Yes. I think all that's true, and 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 I think when, whenever you get into a legal drama like this, you're often dealing with what motivates people. What to, and and I think it's important to say up front that this film sort of willfully withholds certain bits of information from us. To make it uh, uncertain or right. I mean, it, it, it's doing things that uh, it's putting us in the position kind of that the boys in where you're trying to make sense of based on what you do have access to. Mm-hmm. What do you think really happened here? So, again, it gets you into probing what, what might the motivations be here? You Which know,
1: very, it's a very smart choice to have all that like through these characters. Like you can tell a lot about a character maybe they will say something or maybe they won't say something. Mhm. You know, who who knows how much more is in the world of this.
2: Yeah. And also what a jury knows, what they can assume, mm-hmm. what what decisions they might make about the facts given when we don't have all of the facts. All of that plays in here too when it comes down to what is a marriage and how do people fight and Can we make the assumption that things led to violence just because they had a spirited, i.e. yelling at each other conversation the day before that we learn and hear, you know, which is new information for the audience about two thirds of the way of the film that we didn't have at the beginning of the film? It lays it out, as you say, David and Roland. In a way that keeps you engaged on what is a very slow story, I might say.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So this is a long film, a longer film. It's about two and a half hours long. I did not feel the time dragged, but I think it was deliberate in the pacing. And looking at some reviews after, I do know that like other people have noted the the, the length and feeling like maybe it was. A, I think it kind of works for the drama of the film to unfold at the pace that it does. Mm-hmm. I like the way this film opens. I think you know with this sort of botched interview, right? That 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 sort of becomes part of the alibi for, for Sandra, who mm-hmm. the the author, um, because she's being interviewed by a grad student and. In, in her the, home. Right, exactly. She's come to the chalet, she's there to visit and and ask questions I guess about her writing process or motivation whatever. They don't really get off the ground with the interview uh, in part because this very loud music comes on. Right?
1: Yeah, um, I might might I say best use of Fifty Cent in a movie since uh Fifty Cent own uh, Get Rich or Die yeah.
0: Trying. <laughs> <laughs> Which this this uh, um, what what is it? Steel drum band interpretation of uh, of a Fifty Cent song. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it sets off this kind of. I don't know about you guys, but you know, for me, it like put this kind of weird. I don't know what it is like it was a weird way to start the film is is what I would say like it unsettled me because I think you know the interviewers being unsettled Sandra the author like the way she reacts or doesn't react didn't make a lot of sense to me I'm like what is this character do like why is she not going to acknowledge that this is An absolutely problematic thing that her husband is doing, cranking this music this loud, and that, that, like, it's somehow she can't even talk to him. So, it kind of sows a seed. There's something there in the relationship. Well, the loud music also makes it unable for the student to record right they, they right because so there is a recording that exists of to a certain point in their interview but then she does have to shut it off because it's just pointless it's not going to get anything other than the music so
2: fast forward when this interviewer is on trial and they're talking about now he, the husband was playing loud music yes do you think and this is where the film number one the thing i noted most the difference in the french court system and the American oh, yeah. court system. Yeah, big time I'll get, I'll get into that in a little bit but The notion that the prosecuting attorney here can ask... Witnesses who weren't in the room to speculate what the motivations yes, then were yeah. because, well, no, I guess the interviewer was in the room, but uh, because he was playing this music, did you sense a lot of hostility in the room? Yeah. Dot, dot, dot that might lead to yeah. murder. And how, how do you answer that question? I don't know how these people fight. And I don't know how often the husband plays music loudly. Mm-hmm. The wife says that he does it all of the time. I, I was fascinated. I was fascinated by the courtroom drama from a country that I am not used to watching how they're. Courts operate.
1: Yeah. They, they really got into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. Nowhere else would they pull up uh, what works that you have written and try to characterize that as you. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. 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 yeah for yeah. sure.
2: They're now going back in to the author, the accused murderer's bibliography and reading passages from books that might now explain how she's a murderer. And, right. And there was some, there thing. were some objections to that, as yeah. there certainly would be in the in American court system. But there, I, I didn't know if this is kind of the lay of the land or not.
0: It seems like it has to be to some extent, right? Because they let it go quite far before stopping it in many cases. and And it is clear that there is a... At least in the way it's being portrayed, again, does this actually m- match up with the French legal system the way it operates? I can't say, but the way it's portrayed, the lawyers, the, the you know, especially the the prosecuting attorney, it seems to be given a lot of liberty to be able to just speculate and and talk at length about things that I, I feel like in an American courtroom drama would just be shut down with objection after objection and then actually get shut down rather than just okay no wait we want to see where this goes <laughs> yeah. Which, so there were several times throughout the courtroom scenes where i was like the french legal system is a whole different animal i don't know that i ever Whoa. i mean as much as i don't want to be in any courtroom anywhere <laughs> i definitely don't want to be in a courtroom in what, france what I, I, th- I think i
1: think elwood from legal Blonde would kill it in there <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, yeah,
2: everyone's kind of allowed to talk when they want to talk is is the impression yes, that i got right and, and it's not not, you know, in the American court system, or at least the movies that show it, yeah. it's the witness must yeah. answer the questions directly. The right. only people that are allowed to talk, it's very laid out. Right. But here, it was more of like a community experience. And I'm assuming that if things were getting out of hand, the judge could then say, all right, everybody quiet. We're going to, you know, however, we're going to do it now. But that was very, very interesting. I think the strength of the film is the way that it distributes the information that we need to even come to our own conclusions. For example, the sun goes out for a walk. After the interviewer leaves with his dog, we learn later that it's a seeing eye dog because the son had had a um, eyesight injury Mm -hmm. when he was much younger. And his blindness then is tested when interview when inspectors come and put a blindfold on him to test if he could have heard them having an argument or a discussion while the loud music was playing and. The procedural of this was interesting, I know, because, and I know for me, because it was international and a different kind of procedure than I'd ever seen before.
0: Now, does that make it a
2: good movie?
0: I mean, I, I, interesting, yes. Good? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a very good movie. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll come out and say, I mean, I think that I, I didn't feel like it was gimmicky, but I felt like it did a really good job of, I, I mean, I kind of said this before, just laying out the information just enough at each turn that it kept me interested as much as like I felt like I knew – something about the case, it would introduce another piece of information or another perspective on her, it. Her infidelity. Yeah, that would yep. kind of change it and right. be like, okay, no, maybe there is a motivation here, maybe there is something. And so to me, this kept me with it the whole time. I thought the performances were really strong. Uh, Sandra being portrayed by uh, Sandra Huller, it, the, mm-hmm. the actress here, here uh, portraying the author, I think does a really nice job and I'm not really familiar with her too much you know, outside of this. And I certainly thought the the character of the son was done well here, too. Milo uh, Machado Greiner, I Mm -hmm. guess, is his name, um, who plays Daniel, the son. And once we do get the husband in that sort of um, audio recording-driven flashback that we kind of see parts of – which I thought was a clever way to humanize this person that we really only know is a dead man right. lying on the ground. And as you said, out. Joe, that only really comes up like two-thirds of the way through the film. You know, you've already kind of learned a lot about it, heard a lot about it from other, But then finally, we get this audio recording that had been taken somewhat surreptitiously. She was aware that the husband was recording some parts of his life, but he didn't always say when. And he hadn't said that he was recording that. But that also brought into question, like... Well, was he recording with a purpose? Did he want to incite a fight here? Was he pushing her in a way? You know, mm-hmm. So it's fascinating how that stuff kind
1: of drips out and
0: you see bits and pieces of it. This movie was very rich, very yeah. rich with information yeah. and
1: characters. I got to say also while we're talking about the great performances in this movie, uh, shout out to uh, the dog. Yeah. yeah, One of the best dog performances in a movie.
0: I, he won the palm dog,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it the yeah, yeah. palm dog? Yeah.
0: So there's a scene in the film where
2: in court, we learned that the husband had committed uh, attempted to commit suicide six months prior to his death, and the way he did that, I it was an overdose of aspirin. Will that kill you? I did. I did not know that, but uh, French, he, aspirin.
1: He, oh, yeah. French aspirin. Oh yeah, a
2: French aspirin. Aspirin. So he vomits because he had taken too much. Then the son has a memory when he because the son insists on being in the courtroom, even when the judge says we're going to be talking about things that maybe you don't know about. Maybe you shouldn't hear about. We want to protect you. Yeah.
1: And it it was pretty interesting to have like the mom uh, be saying all these things and have like the son be in the same shot. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And so we know.
2: So that's when he the son learns about infidelities and suicide attempts and things like that. And the son says, I I remember something
1: that that the
2: dog smelled like vomit. About that time. So he, this is where I wanted to really ask you guys, because I couldn't figure out how I felt about it. He get, he force feeds the dog or f- feeds the dog aspirin to see what happens in case the dog had eaten some of the vomit with the aspirin in it that came from the husband. Right. And then the dog gets sick and is saved. Thank goodness. But I thought that that was a bit of um, a twist for twist sake. Um, mm-hmm. uh, an avenue of of movie making, you know, storytelling that may not have been exactly, but I guess we were, we were looking for a reason for the son to go testify again. Yeah, and they've come up with this. I don't, I don't know how strong I thought that was.
1: Uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it showed also, you know, how much like the son like cares about this. Actually, that he's willing to put his dog through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was fascinating i didn't feel like it was
0: cheap i i yeah. i I, th- I think that it made sense given the information that had been re- because again the son didn't know that the father had attempted suicide right it, it didn't you know was just hearing about that was some of the stuff he learned about when the recording was played in the courtroom and all that then to have had that sort of um remind him that there was this moment where his dog had had this sickness and the dog had smelled like well vol- it, it it felt... I want my mom to not be here yeah. over the
2: weekend while I put together, I guess, what I intend on saying in right. court. Right. Because in court, I will not be questioned that I have to answer the questions. I can just say whatever I want. The judge says, are you finished? And he yeah. gets to just talk again. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I, so it didn't feel false to me. It didn't feel like a gimmicky twist at that point. And, and it didn't even feel like a conclusive twist. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe that did happen. Maybe it happened. But um, just because there was this suicide attempt then does that really mean that he was definitely committing suicide now or that you know it's it's a piece of evidence and it's something that i think helped tip things certainly the way that this story is told but it's not definitive right i mean like th- this film starts with i don't know if you guys noticed but neon part of their marketing is didshedoit.com right so if you if you go to mm. com, right there it's like yes or no and you and you click and you can see where the votes are do you i i checked right after my screening Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. where the votes were do you did you guys look i didn't even know this existed you don't remember No, no no no. i
2: saw the url but i figured that was some kind of production company okay because they showed them in that series of production company logos that usually well no it it, it is
0: connected specifically to this film did you go there no i didn't see that So it was about about two-thirds no one-third yes okay well let's go around the room because
2: uh, enough evidence is given to where one might suggest that it could have happened that way, that she pushed him off, the, hit him over the head, blood right. splattered on the side of the shed. Because big,
0: that's the big thing that shifts it from being just seen as an accident to being seen as a likely or or possibly homicide, a, a homicide is when they realized that the, uh, you know, the hit he took to the head had to have happened before the fall. Like it, it, they weren't simultaneous. He didn't hit his head in the fall. He had been hit. And that, or his head had been hit. And there was some troublesome
2: blood placement on a building that he fell onto that didn't make sense given what they
0: thought would happen if someone fell and hit their head, blood
2: wouldn't travel that
0: way. Personally, coming out of it, I felt like she was not guilty that she hadn't done it and the husband perhaps had committed suicide.
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure what the answer is either, but I don't think she did it. I guess the performance was so good. Just, I saw a look in her eye and I was like, no, there's no way she couldn't have done it. Yeah, I think that that's... Part of the setup is that her reaction when they
2: discover the body, when you know throughout yeah. the court, is not one of someone that I would think did the murder. She is, she cries with the relief when she is eventually acquitted,
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and. She does what any mother would do in that situation, wants to be reunited with her son. Mm-hmm. And she and the son have a touching kind of moment there at the end. And then she crawls up on the couch. The dog comes up on the couch with her. And then the entire end credits is just a shot of the dog and the mom laying there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of the, uh, the show Unsolved Mysteries with, okay. Robert, with Robert Stack. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm okay with things just not tying up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It is interesting. Um, you know, when a when a film sort of, like I said before, it, it very deliberately withholds certain information. Like again, when we see that sort of sound recording initiated flashback, we are seeing visuals of a lot of it when they're having their actual argument but which it cut- was very
1: smart by the way yeah it uh, was very interesting to yeah
0: but it cuts away from that and we go back to the courtroom when we hear a physical altercation that took place at the end of that recording and there we're kind of left to reconstruct it based on what she is saying happened the way the jurors are asked to do. right or the way that the prosecutor is trying to get them to interpret those sounds and it's, it's fascinating there to like think like, well, what is presumably, uh, you know, we do have one person, Sandra, who, who knows the truth of that. And she does speak, but we how can we be sure that she is telling it the way that it, it actually happened, or that she's not even just coloring it some other way in her head, you know, so I, I think I love that this film kind of leaves you with these open and because that's just the reality of, you know, human memory and perception is like, even if she's trying to tell the the total truth, In her testimony, she's going to leave certain things out. She's going to shade things. And there are things that she does absolutely lie about in the course of the film, right? Like earlier in the film, she claims that the bruise on her uh, arm is from banging the counter when it later becomes clear that no, it was part of that physical altercation that took place on the recording that she – didn't even reveal it happened and wasn't, you know, when she had been asked to jump fight recently, that kind of said no, exactly. Because she was hoping it would be like, Oh, I can, you know, like let's just shift away from even thinking that there's any foul play here. I'm not going to give them any reason to think that, um, these lies will kind of go through. But then when it starts getting scrutinized, she ends up having to fess up. So, you know, she's lying some of the time, you know, that perhaps she's come around to telling the truth by the end of it, but then it's maybe only a partial truth. And, you know, I th- I think maybe the the other part there, even if it truly was him committing suicide, clearly things had happened in their relationship that had put him into a worse state of thinking. Now, whether that was her fault or not, it was it was you know dynamics of their relationship. Her being very successful as an author, and him struggling and never really getting anything published. Her having these outside the marriage relationships that he was sort of aware of, but also clearly jealous of and brings up in the, in, in the argument, although she claims she was never hiding anything from So there's clearly relationship dynamics that seem to be playing a role here, even if it wasn't her who pushed him out the window, you know?
1: And that, that's something I really like also really liked about this movie is uh these are full fledged characters. We see them react to all sorts of different things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The movie is long. Yeah. But it, it kind of earns it, I think, in fleshing them out, all all of them. I agree. I agree. I th- I, th- I think you need that time, yeah,
0: to actually kind of understand, especially the Sandra character, and and I think ultimately the Daniel character too. That you know, once he does what he does towards the end of it, and you kind of realize how tortured he is mm-hmm. about this whole thing, and like you know, one of his parents has died, the other parent may be responsible for that death, or to what extent she's responsible. They're okay. trying to kind of figure out. And of course he's going to be torn apart, and of course he's going to take some kind of desperate measure, like doing this experiment yeah. on his dog, because he just wants to have some kind of certainty. Can I trust and love my mom and know that she was, a, or is there something else going on here? What you know, where is the evidence pointing? Yeah, this movie is sticking with me in a way. Like I, I, yeah. I, I, when I left the theater, it really felt like one of those those films that it would be. A good idea to return to in a little while I might watch it a few years later and see how i feel about it then because you know based on my viewing right now like i said i i feel like she, i come away from it feeling like she didn't actually push him out the window but certainly has some culpability in putting I mean, him into the the sure. mental state that that he was in that that sort of you know pushed him to do this and then also i think you know going back to that first scene of the film which i just found. Really, really fascinating as it was playing. I'm like, what is this movie going to be? This is like such a weirdly well, Define which scene you're talking about the music playing and okay. the interviewer trying to I right. mean It was just like I'm just trying to understand like what are these characters that like she's not reacting and there's this like It's just tense and kind of weird, but she's ignoring it and not wanting to make it a thing And then the other one has to acknowledge that it's a thing I just I feel like watching it again. I'll be thinking about everything in, in slightly different ways and, and I may come away with a very different sense of, did she or did she do did
1: Yeah, do seeing it. it with new information that you, you've you learned from yeah. previous viewings.
2: Yeah, this looks like it would reward you for a second viewing, because now I know where the story's going. I know that how it ends. Are there clues along the way? I bet mm. that there are. What did you guys think of the boy changing his testimony from where he was standing and when he left the house, huh. and then he changed his story? I felt like he was changing it to help his mother.
0: Mm. I I agree. I think in his head he he did feel like he had heard them enough to to think that they were just talking and not fighting. But then in reality, you know, the, as they found when they did the testing on, on site with the, with the music playing and all that, I think they, you know, he had to realize like, no, I couldn't have. What's compelling him to do that? And what, what compels anybody to testify to something that they don't probably have a hundred percent certainty on? It's like, yeah, well, he doesn't want to believe that his mom was the one who did this, right? And he, he can't believe that. Yeah. He doesn't want to allow himself to. He
1: did also say, uh, you know, if my mom did it, I don't understand, but if my dad did it, then I understand. So he certainly that's ha- that's
0: kind of his final statement on it, and and there, yeah, and and which I think is what sways the jury, right? I yeah, mean, you're yeah. led to believe that, yeah,
2: yeah. So if you know, we've listed the last three years and this fourth year of the Palm Door winners, and it is not fair to compare them. That's not the reason, <laughs> but in comparing them, this one does not have the bite that the previous three years did. This is more of a straightforward drama with no gore or. I'm going to include Triangle of Sadness in the gore category when we come up with, with <laughs> um, that amazing yeah. vomiting diarrhea scene. It fair, is, uh, fair. Fantastic. I would say this is worth a viewing. I would wait for streaming. I don't think you have to rush out to the theater. It's going to be hard to find it in the theater because AMC is where we had to go to find it when it was released and <laughs> limited theatrical about a month ago or so. So yeah. it's probably come and gone unless it starts to get a very high buzz amount to right. it i fear that this one won't because it doesn't have some of the more I, th- I think what you're saying
1: is like it's it's a it's a pretty solid movie no doubt is it earth shattering like parasite or something i don't i don't know about that but if this was like an american movie i i feel like it probably would have gone under my radar yeah it, on a basis level it just sounds pretty standard but it is good
0: this is a straightforward adult movie courtroom drama is, yeah. what, is what i would say and and i think in the mainstream uh american movie going marketplace those films don't do big business these days right this joe you described you know the dog experiment is kind of a twist it's not a twist in the way that, like, an M Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. twist. It's it's not a twist that's going to get people talking and like, oh, you got to see this. It's mm-hmm. up until the end, you're not going to believe, and it's very open ended. I think there's lots going against it <laughs> in terms of it becoming a big successful American film. Now it has been very successful as a French film, okay, and and I think that that may speak to there's a little bit more of an appetite still in the French market for a intelligent human drama to play out, but I agree with you. I think if people haven't already seen it in the theater, I don't know that it's going to be around much longer in American movie theaters. So, it's probably going to be one that you're going to have to stream anyway, but it's one I, I would highly encourage people stream. And it, and it's again like a I think when you're ready for like an adult, serious complexities of human emotions kind of drama, this will be there for you and it's going to be really satisfying. That said running time aside, I don't think it's one that you have to like really work to like. I think it's one that will draw you in if you, if you go with it and, and you're going to get interested in the story of it. I think especially now, sadly I went by myself, but the entire time as I was watching it, I was thinking Aaron would really love this because she even more so than I do loves the true crime stuff. Yeah. Loves, it. And I think anybody who's into that kind of storytelling Is going to find something here because it's very much built on the, oh, evidence as it gets discovered and how does that change the entire picture and how does that get framed in the courtroom, all that kind of stuff that people seem to love obsessing about in a true crime story.
1: Do you guys think this movie is going to be big at the Oscars? No. I, I kind of, th- I kind of think it is. Okay, I I could definitely see it getting the
0: um international the, the international okay. picture nod. Mm. I don't maybe screenplay. I could I could see it getting because it does have some pretty great dialogue and and but I I don't know I don't see it being a parasite. I don't I don't think we're gonna get that kind oh, yeah. of action no, 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 no. with it. Yeah,
1: but uh, Triangle Sadness got a lot of uh, that's true nominations. That's true.
0: That's true. Fifty
2: Cent has put songs thirty three songs in movies and television. By the way, is that Ooh. right? Yeah.
1: A real auteur, Fifty Cent. He is.
2: Well, our interborough real auteurs. When it comes to <laughs> making a double dry hopped IPA, I liked this beer a lot. Did you? That absence of that typical dank IPA hop character make this just fun to drink? You don't have to struggle with this at all. It goes down smooth and nice. Oh yes.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really um, it's it's on the lighter end of IPAs, at least in terms of uh, the the mouthfeel and 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 flavor intensity. I, I don't think it, it's not one of those IPAs where you're going to be you know reaching for some water or something because it's so bitter or you know, right? And, and it's not so dank that it's going to be like sweet and cloying. It's really easy to throw back. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm a little bit on, underwhelmed, if only because like I was getting more of that tropical fruit character on the nose, and I was really getting in the in the flavor. Um, so that so that kind of mismatch threw me off a little bit. But as far as you know, enjoyable drinking, absolutely. Roll and break the tie.
1: It's pretty good, like you were saying. It's uh goes down pretty smooth. I like it. I'm down with it. All right, All right
2: Interboro, and run the jewels.
1: No, yeah,
0: no failure here like to see that all right so it's our-
1: very nice and calming unlike their music <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it's true this is this doesn't match up with run the jewels uh, in terms of the intensity of the music yeah this
1: or- is more like miles davis than uh <laughs> <Run> the jewels
2: <laughs> i love the idea of doing two foreign films in one episode and that's exactly what we're gonna do so stay right where we are we will be back with you right after this break
1: We're back. Thank you, Roland.
2: Hey, hey. Well, let's get some more beer in our glasses. Let's do that, Joe. And guess what, David? Bottle Logic Brewing becomes members tonight of the Five Timers
1: Club. Whew, I'm had,
2: love to hear it. The fifth time we've had their beer, this one's called Intrepid Orchid. It is a vanilla barley wine. If you needed your barley wines a little sweeter, well, this one's got some vanilla. I'll be looking for that. They call it an English-style barley wine aged in bourbon barrels with Madagascar vanilla. It was, bottled in two, it was released in 2022, part of their Stasis project. Serve it at 58 degrees, store it safely at 40 degrees with no sunshine. It's got a 6.5 on the viscometer.
0: <laughs> whatever that I, is. I don't even know that I've ever used the viscometer before. And, wow.
2: And it's 11.2. ABV, Bottle Logic out of
0: Anaheim, California. Yeah. They they, they do some hefty beers. Um, and obviously at 11 point, what was it, 11.2? Uh-huh. This is going to be another hefty one. Um, it's pouring very syrupy. We aren't 100% sure because we lose track. Our, our, our record keeping is, is terrible here at Beer and a Movie. But, but this is most likely a gift from Daniel. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that one of us. We, we gotta got to get him on the bottle. show. We absolutely... <laughs> I say that every single time. Um, that he gives us a delicious beer. It's all right. He'll, he'll tell us what we got wrong about it later on when, once he hears it. But the man is known for uh, some love exquisite of barley tastes, wine. Exquisite tastes. Ooh, oh, my God. It's very oh syrupy. God, it's that very is... syrupy on the nose. Ooh, yeah. That, whew, that's too much. Uh, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> to... <laughs> it's a powerful note uh, aroma there. Yeah, that, you know, this is going you know, to be boozy. I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to it. I'm
2: looking forward to a nice boozy barley wine. As we discussed, as I said earlier, another foreign
0: film. That's right. So two new releases this week. Our first film, um, you know, set in France uh, with a lot of English language. Though it was interesting it was. That we, we like didn't that. really talk about how yeah. language was sort of part of it because Sandra was German. The character mm. um, didn't really speak much french in fact struggled with it in the courtroom because she was being asked to speak french and at times had to say no i really need to speak this differently to be able to get across what i need to um in english it ends up becoming that kind of common ground language that both the french and her as the german are able to kind of understand each other with but certainly sections of the film subtitle section anyway so while we're back on interesting international production there while yeah. we're
2: back on anatomy of a fall for a second i think you all wanted to shout out the director justine Triet, who we, whose name we did not say good point yeah. yes
0: who uh you know has made several other films roldan was saying uh, yeah yeah that pretty interesting absolutely it's just i, I feel bad that uh, i haven't yet uh seen one of those so now this is a good reason to, to do that well Our other film this week is coming to us from Mexico, Nice, uh, very close to where we are, actually. The film is set in Matamoros, Mexico, which is just over the border from Brownsville, Texas, just a couple hours away from where we record this podcast. What we have here is a film depicting true set of events – that were written about in an article that had um, gotten some notoriety through Wired magazine back around 2013. This is – it was describing what had happened in 2011 when a teacher, Sergio Juarez Correa, arrived at a poorly run school in the uh, town of Matamoros and attempts to bring some new teaching – a new teaching method – to bear on a classroom full of elementary students, trying to really get them to engage with learning in a way that they really hadn't been asked to or, or, or been allowed to do in the past. And, and very much, um, you know, in a nutshell, I would say attempting to follow a much more self-guided kind of learning experience than what they had had before, not the programmatic teaching to a test which is a problem we have in this country as well but clearly yep. one that also exists in mexico where i can't remember what the acronym for their test was but you know here in the state of texas we have the star test is a big deal um well their version of that that, that they were doing in their school system um, is something that most of the teachers just slavishly teach to and instead here we have correa who's played by eugenio dorbe derbez uh who Gosh, what was the film that we Coda. had him in Coda? Thank you very much. Um, I did not like him in Coda, if you recall. I do recall you, you. I've you, seen Coda since and I might have been a little too strict about that. Okay. All right. Um, where he was also playing a teacher with, a, with a slightly unorthodox, uh, style. Ooh, are we getting typecast here, Eugene? Yeah. I, I've seen him in some other things. He, he, he doesn't always just play teachers, but, uh, but here in this case, uh, playing Korea as, as a, as a teacher who's trying something different. Initially meeting resistance and then, you know, making some gains and and, and getting some uh, some props in the process. Although, While he builds relationships with other people around there him. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, that, so that, that's a film. And, and again, the title here, Radical, being a reference to, well, actually the title of the article, that it's based on a radical way of unleashing a generation of geniuses. Um, but essentially that he's bringing this radically new approach in the classroom to these students who – are very underprivileged and, and very much underserved. And yet, um, within that classroom, and, and this sort of bears out in the, you know, uh, final on screen sort of epilogue, right, that, you know, among those students is this essentially a math genius, who, who kind of emerges throughout the course of the film,
1: how to be a Latin teacher. What I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs>
2: That name of that test is the E-N-L-A-C-E, the enlace or enlace.
1: Okay, thank you. You know,
2: I've got kids, you've got kids, David, that are, have recently gone through the elementary school process, they're in the middle school process. These tests are real, and there's a lot, as you say, controversy about teaching to the test instead of equipping our children with things that they'll need to know when they graduate. Right. And that's the conundrum here. This poor, poor school in a poor, poor part of Morris historically struggles with this test. So they, when this teacher comes in, he's expected that he's going to teach to the test. But no, he's unorthodox methods are unleashed from the very, very beginning. It's one of those feel-good movies. It's a heart-warmer. A lot like Coda. Yes, it is. But
0: I actually wanted to ask you guys, because going into this, I was a little bit... One of the things that I was concerned about is, look, we've seen these kind of feel good films before, right? Coda was one of them. Right. But I think of films like Stand and Deliver or uh, Freedom Writers or these, these other sort of like uplifting teacher films where a teacher comes into an underserved population's classroom and takes this new sort of, uh, you know, approach with them and suddenly unlocks this kind of great learning potential. And there's this kind of wonderful, again like this this kind of rousing like the human spirit kind of uh you know wins out even in uh, uh, under some pretty terrible <laughs> adverse circumstances so what was the question so to me going into it i'm a little bit worried it is going to be a cookie cutter like you know doing hey, Roland, same- what did you
2: say when we said hey do you want to do radical, radical? Yeah. we sent you the trailer
1: oh yeah i was like oh you mean mexican poet society <laughs> <laughs>
2: lean on another me. film
1: that we thought about pairing <laughs> yeah, yeah. on me leads yes to there's, there's another one the bull yeah horn,
2: you know yep. uh dangerous minds yeah with michelle pfeiffer as the white savior in that one there you go yeah
1: i was worried uh No, he's not a white savior at least no. he's <laughs> a mexican savior <laughs> there Mex- you go yes. he's a brown I, I, savior. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was kind of worried uh going into it i was like uh this this looks like i've seen this before yeah but it, it came out i don't know the uh, the characters were different enough i had fun with it i thought I, it was well, well, so on. what, what we have seen these was...
2: beats many times the the teacher going to the some of the students homes and witnessing the abject poverty yeah. that they're living in the Wise Kraken student that eventually comes around, the yeah. genius who's always quiet, who eventually comes out of her shell to a yeah. degree. Uh, this
1: movie's of, got tropes. All sure. of those yeah.
2: beats were all in it, but mm-hmm. something was different about this one. I'm curious to know if you guys feel the same way.
0: What I felt was different right off the bat was a few things, but it, was, it all kind of boils down to the tone of the film. I think that I was kind of surprised at. Some of the choices that were made, um, it, it doesn't shy away from the the violence and poverty of the situation, which I mean, all of these films have to have in some measure. But I think this one from the outset leans into it in a way that I wasn't expecting it to um, it, it really like in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the film. If you hadn't told me what the film was going to be, I'm like, oh, is this going to be a slice of life drama about this sort of poor community in a border town in Mexico? Well, no, now we get into the school and we kind of see it. But there was this feeling like it was just setting a mood that was much more um, downbeat. Than mm-hmm. than even those films that we were talking about that kind of have those typical uplift narratives with, with the, the teacher uh, the, involved. The
1: great color and like look of the movie was there throughout. Even when they well, that's what I was going to say. Beautifully shot. Even in the happy scenes, it still looked like hell out dingy. there <laughs> well that's the yeah. thing that's it. like so i got it as i went but it
0: never changes like even mm-hmm. when things start going well it's not like the the visual palette of the film improves or, or becomes more vibrant or or more colorful mm-hmm. it always stays muted and very like overcast blue kind of tone to to the images no matter what point of the film we're in
1: i like that though yeah it, it uh it showed that no matter how you're feeling this is still the world they're yeah. in. They're still going home to a house. Right. With no electricity or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. No doors. Yeah. Yeah. Our genius Paloma, played by Jennifer Trejo, she lives yards away from the city dump. And yeah. Her dad's occupation, if you want to call it that, is sifting through the dump to mm-hmm. look for salvageable metals. And then he takes him to a metal place. And we learn that he's been probably cheated his entire relationship with the metal place because they know that he can't do math. So they say copper this much and then the math doesn't add up until the daughter goes one time and simple simple arithmetic. You're cheating us. You're shorting him. Can you give us the full amount? Oh, yes. My finger must have slipped on the calculator. But, I mean, we're talking abject poverty here. Which, mm. But on top of the dump, she hides a tripod. And in her room, she hides a homemade telescope. And I enjoyed the scene where she can see right over the border to the newly built this took place in 2011 if i'm yeah. not mistaken mm-hmm. uh, SpaceX Elon Musk whole deal oh, yes. and so the idea for her is not i've got to somehow get to Houston and NASA or Huntsville and Space Camp i just need to go over there just right over there but because of the life that we live in and because what we see time and time again children's roles in the family another student of hers mother finds we see a, a pregnancy test and a positive thing and She's like, well, you're not going back to school next year, even though this student has a separate track of really wanting to study philosophy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see her have to succumb to the societal roles of the family there. But for, for Paloma, it's just it's just over the river. It's just yeah. over the river. And there was a lot of that stuff that made me pause and think about a lot of things.
1: A lot of little reality checks.
0: I think the child performers here in this film are excellent. Fantastic. I, I think they do a great job across the board. You know, the, the, the troublemaker that eventually becomes sort of a, if not a star pupil, at least a contributor in the classroom. Um, but ultimately, who, you know, spoilers, folks. Before he's able to really completely, like he, his his life has ended. He's he's been pulled into part of a drug cartel um, situation. I thought he did a really great job, and 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 I definitely believe that performance. And, and the little great romance
2: too. and the kiss on the cheek, yeah. and they're about to kiss yeah. their very first kiss that both of them would probably have. And then yeah. here come the drug guys to ruin everything. Yeah.
0: So across the board, I like that. I really actually like the the principal, the yeah, oh, the, yeah. the, the the headmaster, mm. Chucho. Uh, they you call know, him the director the director thank you yeah, yeah. who I, I think you know does a great job playing that character who initially you kind of think you're going to have to hate but is actually more sympathetic to Korea becomes an ally of Korea and and i and i thought that all felt very natural to me the one weakness here okay was the Korea character. And I don't know and it's not even so much performance. That's what and, I said about Cobramans. Go ahead. No, it isn't it isn't Durbez's performance. It's the writing here. It's like we don't get a lot of backstory on the character. We know he has a young child. We know he has a wife. His commitment to
1: them isn't, completely thrown away. Yeah, I don't understand.
0: <laughs> we just see him in the classroom. We see him making these attempts. We don't necessarily end We hear a little bit about maybe these past experiences he's had and how he's also had trouble maybe sticking at other teaching jobs. But I just don't feel like I got to know the character in the way that a film like this should let me get to know the character, especially when he's got a wife and child at home that he's, if not neglecting, at least kind of, you know, putting on the back burner in favor of this classroom of children. And thank goodness he does. He does some great things for them. But to me, somebody who has a baby at home, there should have been a little bit more of a a drama there. I don't
1: know. Did did that strike either of you guys? I did think about that. I think it was a a little bit weird that he was caring so much for for these and I don't think we even heard the baby's name or anything. No, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> maybe little, he our doesn't little know surprise. it. Yeah,
2: sorpresa Poqueño, I believe.
1: <laughs> yeah, my little. Taco I like Bell. this
2: movie a lot, yeah. and it has all of the tropes that we talked about. Yeah. It's a feel-good movie based on a true story, and I think that because it's you know you know me, I I'm gonna see something that I've never seen before, and I, I I'm going to make the assumption that it's being accurately presented. I love the idea that the problems that have been highlighted dozens of times in American culture with these types of teacher comes in and saves the day movies can even be applied on the other side of the U.S.-Mexican border and maybe applied in other places, but probably
0: not the Netherlands. <laughs> they have an amazing
2: school system, as I understand Finland, it. Finland,
0: too. Finland's got a great one, right? Isn't right. It? Yeah. No, there's, there's some of But those. to me, this is a study of
2: the system and how the system doesn't work.
1: Because yeah, this he, is more like a, about like the philosophy of teaching and learning. I think right. you're, right. I yeah, think you're yeah, right. We've
2: been doing it the same way for a hundred years, from the strict obedience required to the shape and size of the classroom, and it is time for changes. We're teaching to this test in America and Mexico, and that's not benefiting students who are facing, in this story, very real problems. Rico, Rico, the boy that is ultimately Nico. Nico, Nico thank yeah. you by the cartel. Mm -hmm. You know it's the same story South Central story Are you going to go into the gangs Where there's some easy fast money But a lot a lot of risk Or are you going to Use your God-given talents of science or math or whatever it is to make a world for yourself. Or or do you even have a choice? Or do you even have a choice? Because parental and family obligations just keep you down. I knew Paloma was going to show up for that test. Uh, They (laughs) do have to take the test. The title card at the end says that she scored the best score in all of Mexico.
0: Yeah. And mm -hmm. I believe
2: that this is true uh, because... That can be factually checked, but yeah. I assume the other girl was going to take her new baby brother. The mother says, well, you know you're not mm-hmm. going back to school next year as much as you're enjoying these philosophy stuff right. because who's going to take care of your brother when your father and I both need to work? Your newborn baby brother, I thought she was going to take him to the test and then the, <laughs> the teacher would hold the baby while she takes the test. Yeah, that did yeah. not occur because there are kids that slip through the cracks and there yeah. was a demonstration of one of them. All
0: of the tropes are there, but what is it that
2: makes me – I was weeping
0: at the end. I mean, the the tropes uh, a lot of times exist for a reason, right? These are actual dynamics that we see playing out in various classrooms, like you said, Joe, not even just in this country, but worldwide. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it really doesn't matter what approach you take. No approach works for everybody, and there's always room for – Change and improvement in, in various methods, whether we're talking about teaching or whatever we're doing. So the idea that somebody can come in with some new approach and really kind of shake things up. It's a universal truth. I mean, you can, if you approach things differently, you're going to capture some people that you didn't capture before. So, you know, I think while the system in place is going to criticize
2: you for trying to change the system that we can all agree objectively isn't working. Right. Even the teachers in it. I love the idea there's corruption in the system. We all have advanced copies of the test, so we're going to be fine. He's like, no, I refuse to do that because I'm not going to teach these kids that cheating is okay right very ideal very movie-ish yeah but at the same time isn't that the right lesson to teach
1: and whether or not it's the right joe learned something after all
0: (laughs) (laughs) finally (laughs) whether or not it's the right lesson to teach it's very it seems very much based in the actual story that you know so so whether or not you want it to be there it it needs to be there i guess to tell the story the way that it, it should be told I love the idea and I, and I think it is a much better approach to teaching to like, let's see what actual, what, what is the genuine curiosity of a student and let's find a way to pursue that rather than try to force mm-hmm. these things in, mm-hmm. in an arbitrary way onto a student. I think, you know, managing that for a large classroom and year after year, there are reasons why we go into these lazier patterns of teaching. But it's amazing to see what can happen or see it dramatize what can happen when you have a teacher kind of step outside that, which which is what you have here. So I, too, ended up liking this film. Like I said, my misgiving there with the the Correa character, Derbez's character not getting developed as much as I would want it to have. I mean, this is already an over two-hour film. So I, d- I don't know that I was necessarily craving that they build this whole other character backstory and me, uh, give me a lot more there. But um, to be clear, you're not faulting uh, Eugenio Derbez. The, not his Eugenio, performance, right, okay. just the the script, I mean, I okay. guess. And then, but I don't know how you do that because you do need those peaks into the life of the students to make them feel relevant and real. And I think they do a good job with that. It just There, there was some obvious stuff with him that felt like, oh, it wasn't as explained as I wanted.
2: To be I thought you'd rip this one apart, Roland, to be honest
0: with you.
1: Yeah, no, I thought I wasn't going to like it, but I did. It was it was charming. I had fun with it.
0: And I would say this with, with both of the films this week, that I, I said that Anatomy of a Fall is sort of a straightforward adult courtroom drama. I think this is a straightforward, um, not necessarily adult, but I, I guess I would say more family yeah. uplift film. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's not trying to pretend it's something other than what it is. And I think for anybody who is looking for that kind of story that gives you that kind of, you know, slight uplift, though it's a measured one, as I said before, I think the, the thing that may throw some people off if they go to watch this and they're thinking, you know, Dead Poet Society or whatever mm-hmm. is like, yes, he is an inspiring teacher, but the abject poverty, the violence, I think goes to a level that we don't often see in, in these kind of films. But that makes it, I think all the more kind of melancholically beautiful. I mean, like there, there's something really sweet about that. He is actually able to m- make this difference in the, in these children's lives, mm-hmm. despite
1: all that sort of surrounds them. He powers through just like uh they're just seen earlier where there was very obvious, like they all kind of like get quiet. Cause there's gunshots outside. Yeah, But then he just, he's like, whatever. We're shapes and shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he kind of tries to do the same when the
0: shots come out later and they are actually yeah. Nico, which is, I mean, what, what a heartbreaking scene that ends up being. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, It's not a criticism of it, but it took me out of it a little bit. That music that was playing throughout the dun, 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 dun. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the same music from the, uh, the opening of Badlands. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh, no, the Malik the, film? Yeah, the Terrence Malik movie. Oh, really? Yes. I so every time they played that, that... connection, wow. Every time they played the music, which was a lot, I kind of thought they overdid it a little bit. Just a little bit. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was just thinking about Badlands, and I was like, <laughs> the real Badlands, Mexico. Interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it sounds like it wasn't a failure then.
0: No. no I would no. recommend it.
2: No. I would too.
0: Yeah, and I think, again, you go in with uh, knowing exactly what it is, and I think if you want that, it delivers. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. You
2: know, that's cool snap down here in South Texas over the last few days. Got to pull out some coats, but a cool down in the weather down here means that it might be perfect time for a barley wine if we found the perfect bar- barley wine to warm us up on a cold South Texas day.
0: We found it. <laughs> <know>? <laughs> no, I, I didn't know how you were gonna react. You sniffed I, on it. And no, the, and I, like. honestly, the nose on it was through, because it was so boozy. I mean, it just it smelled so alcoholic to me mm-hmm. and sweet, alcoholic and sweet. And it is, it is those things. Yeah, but the flavor is so much more balanced than I was getting on the nose. There's definitely the vanilla is there nice uh what, what was the vis- viscometer telling us this was six and a half out this of ten a six and a half i think six and a half is a good place for this to be it's got just enough body to really make itself there but it's not so thick that it's you know hard hard to swallow down god bottle logic that they've impressed me before they've impressed me once more with this one
1: it's kind of like alcoholic chocolate milk It's pretty good.
0: Those barley wines are known for their high ABVs. The
2: last time we had the bottle logic was in episode 251 when we did Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. Oh, wow. I just wanted to say that because I like that movie so much. (laughs) That was a collaboration with Voodoo Brewing Company, another stout. I'm sorry, a stout. We have not had a barley wine from them yet. We've had stouts. We've had IPAs. And we've had like a natural ferment, like a Saison. But this is our first barley wine from them. They haven't disappointed, I don't think, ever on this show anyway. No. No? Delicious. All hits. All hits. Well done, Bottle Logic. Thank you.
0: Yes, thank you, Bottle Logic.
2: Well, Roland, thank you for joining us. Sorry, oh, no sent you to the movie theater twice this week. You're used yeah, to coming was... for a new release and then something you can watch at home, but no, we were in the theater twice.
1: Yeah, it was cool.
0: Yeah, we'll have to talk about our theater experience. Oh, we're going to. A- mm. After hours. That That is one of the best things about Beer and a Movie, is that the conversation does not end here with this episode. You can find us on social media. You can get us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can go to our website, beerinamoviepodcast.com, for some nice curated lists of our episodes, as well as the link to our tea Public store, where you can find various forms of merch. And if you'd like, you could join our chat on Discord under the name Beer and a Movie, The Conversation Continues just ask for an invite we'll be happy to send it to you we've also mentioned that we will extend this conversation ourselves in our patreon subscriber only after hours bonus episode So please sign up at patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast so that you can get access to that and hear all the fun musings that we get into um, after the official episode ends. We know you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, but before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? We hope you'll make it five stars so that the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there as an option for more listeners. You've just experienced another uplifting and yet somewhat open-ended episode of beer in a movie until next time my love i just want you to know that i'm not a monster you know